The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. As of Tuesday morning, Kansas City is a one-point favorite in Super Bowl 54, and that feels about right to me because I have no idea who's going to win. We're going to take an early look at the Super Bowl and do some fantasy analysis for the Titans and the Packers now that they have been eliminated. And also, guys, we often get asked, hey, which I, I can pick my draft spot. Which uh, what should I pick? But well, we're going to tell you what the right answer was in 2019. Welcome to the show. It's Fantasy Football Today. It is Senior Bowl week and Pro Bowl week. And Jamie is here. What's up, Jamie Eisenberg? Good afternoon. Good afternoon, my friend. It's actually in the morning still, but, you know, we'll, uh, we'll pretend. It, it will be afternoon when we're... Yeah, all right, fine. Good morning. Good, happy brunch time. Ben Gretsch is in studio. Ben, you, I was mad at you earlier for making us look bad when we were going to do this show on video. We had to do it just on just audio. Um, but now that it's just audio, like now you can really take your jacket off. I don't know. Like you got super dressed up for the video podcast. Now we're not even doing video. Take the unwind a little bit, dude. Take the coat off. Yeah, I'll get off. At this point, I have the earpiece in. I'm not real sure if I'll if I'll yank it out if I take the jacket off. But yeah, I mean, good to be down here in, in Florida. I'm kind of doing the body clock game today. I traveled all day yesterday. It's pretty early for me. I got up at about three my time this morning. So, oh well, that, that's don't you always don't you always do that? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, guys. So so let's talk about the Super Bowl. And I'll just let everybody else know what's coming up. We're going to do a player that impressed us this weekend, a player that didn't. We got news and notes. Jason Garrett, offensive coordinator for the Giants. Kellen Moore is going to call play for the call plays for the Cowboys. We got a Phillips, Phillip Rivers buzz from Jason Lock and Fora. And then we'll talk about Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown and Ryan Tannehill and Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and blah, 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 and win percentage by draft spot, which is interesting, plus your emails, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. So, Ben, who's going to win the Super Bowl? I mean, I I want to say the Chiefs. I love the Chiefs, but I'm definitely getting a, a Denver-Seattle vibe from a few years back where Denver was just rolling offensively and Seattle was such a good defense and shut them down. So I I, I think this is the, the toughest matchup. Going into the championship games, I was telling a buddy, I, I would feel confident picking a winner in any other matchup, but I thought it was going to be KC San Francisco and it uh, turned out to be right. And I think this, this could go either way. Well, I agree. It's a, uh, it's a tough one to call. I think, uh, like you said, Adam, the line is, is appropriate. It just feels like it's Andy Reid's year. It really does. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? He's, uh, he probably should have been there last year. Um, you know, we know how the overtime situation went for the chiefs and the Patriots. I, I think, you know, I'll always lean toward the quarterback and they have the best quarterback and maybe the best quarterback in, in football right now. So, um, I'm going to go with the Chiefs, but I would not be surprised if it's the 49ers. They're, they're just on such a roll. They don't lose by a lot of points. They're in every game, you know, and, and we've yet to see probably the best of Jimmy Garoppolo, and maybe it comes out, um, you know, on February 2nd in, in Miami. Do you think the Chiefs can stop the run? Because they've been really good. Their last six games, running backs are averaging three, last five games, 3.94 yards per carry against the Chiefs, and Derrick Henry, the three matchups he had in the playoffs, the Patriots, their run defense was playing really well. The Ravens, their run defense was amazing all year. He crushed them, both teams. And then against the Chiefs, he's 3.6 yards per carry. He was good. He wasn't great. 19 carries, 69 yards, and a touchdown. So you know the reason why I'm going to pick the Chiefs as of now is because if they can stop the run, I just don't see how the Niners win. Um, you, go back, you go back to the first game against the Titans, which was week 10. It's really been since then. Yep. You know, I, I know the yards per carry, but, you know, they've done just a phenomenal job of stopping the run, essentially, compared to where they were through the first nine weeks of the season. 
Um, he went for 188 and two touchdowns in that game, and 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 the Titans won 35-32. It was in Tennessee, but you know what they've done since then has been nothing short of remarkable, and and that's the key to the game. You know, I I mean, look, the 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 49ers defense is going to be tough for Mahomes. You know, that's there's no question about that. The pass rush will be tough for him, but if they can run on Kansas City's defense, they're going to win the game. I mean, there there's no way around that. I don't know about that. Yeah, I think I, I look at it a little bit differently. I think a big reason Kansas City's been so good against the run and in a way that they've stopped the run is their offense has been so good. They've taken teams out of running situations. I think I'm pretty well, they, confident Derrick Henry had zero carries in the fourth quarter. They they almost dare you to run on them. Sure. Because if you don't convert those to touchdowns, they're going seven the other way. It, it's essentially like the Gold State Warriors. You know, they'll give up layups to shoot threes, and by the end of the third quarter, you're down twenty. And so, you know, that's kind of the Chiefs' offense and defense right. and how they, they operate. But, I, I mean, look, if San Francisco's going to run on them, it's going to be tough for the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Anytime a, a team – like, if they can run the way that, that San Francisco ran on Green Bay, it's, it's going to be – It won't be that. Problem. It won't, it won't be, be that. It can't right. be that. But right. if, it's, if, if you get one of these guys, and most likely be Mostert, you know, over 100 yards or over 5 yards per carry, and then another guy's getting over 5 yards per carry, and, you know, they're both at 12 to 15 carries, that's going to be a bad day for Kansas City. Yeah, but I do think a big part of that will come down to whether Mahomes can put up points on the 49ers defense. I think that, like if they can dictate the game and force San Francisco to have to throw. I mean, we saw that San Francisco won't throw if they don't need to. But if if Mahomes can figure out the San Francisco defense and the and San Francisco does some interesting things in their secondary and they're going to have a game plan. They have two weeks to figure it out. But if Mahomes can crack that code pretty quick and 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 be as efficient early in the game as he has been the last couple of weeks, I mean, uh, San Francisco is going to have a real, real tough time running the ball in the second just choosing to run they sure to throw. but they also have been down double digits each of the last two games you do that against san francisco's defense it's a hell of a lot different than mm-hmm. when you're doing it against houston and tennessee because those defenses as we know don't come close to what san francisco That's does true. so mm-hmm. if they're trailing early it's bad news for kansas city if kansas city comes out punches them in the mouth first makes them have to alter their offensive game plan i i do think garoppolo can put up points. I do think they could throw the ball. They have very good weapons. You know, we haven't really seen, I think, the best of, at one time, Kittle, Samuel, and Sanders. You know, that's a pretty nice trio. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, with what their backs do out of the backfield as well. So there's going to be an opportunity here, if needed, where we see maybe the ball in Garoppolo's hands and having to sort of carry this team. That's not clearly what San Francisco wants to do. But if that happens, I think we're going to get a real fun Super Bowl. Oh, it'll have to happen yeah. at some point. I mean, well, it may, keep up it, with Mahomes. It, it may not, though. It may not. If they it, run if, that efficient. If they if, run like they did against Green Bay, then. But, but you know, I, I mean, think about the Houston game. It was, you know, a block punt that leads to a touchdown. If there's mm-hmm. something fluky that happens. Sure. You, you referenced the Seattle-Denver game. Remember the, the early safety. The early, early safety yeah. You know, so if there's something that puts Kansas City in a in a hole and a significant one, 24 nothing is is probably not something that they're going to do and do successfully, come back successfully against against his 49ers defense. You know, what was it? Uh, 14 nothing they were down against in, Tennessee? T- I think it was only 10. 10 nothing? Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's more manageable. But that's, you know, if, if I'm Andy Reid, I'm like, oh, bleep. That's the last thing I want to see is a double-digit deficit right. against Robert Sala's defense. What's your pick? I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I said Chiefs. Chiefs by three for me. No, I Chiefs by 10. <laughs> I think if you're taking the Chiefs, you, you kind of feel you feel like they can win it going away. I think this could be a field goal game though at the end. You know, uh, whether it's Gold or Butker coming down to you know game winner. Like I think it'll be a close game, but they'll pull away. You know, like it'll be it'll be competitive. It'll end up being like a ten point game. That's all right. So that's my initial pick. We're all picking the Chiefs. You're picking the Chiefs too, Ben. Yeah, that's where I lean. But like I said, I'm 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 hedging really heavily because I, I feel like we might just see a defense finally figure them out a little bit, but. I if I have to sit and look at it, I, I yeah, I got to take the Chiefs. You know what this is? This is uh, the first time in, in obviously a long time. There's no real I don't want to see this team win. You know, usually yeah. the Patriots and everybody's like, I'm I'm tired of seeing that. I think there's I, I you know, you, I, Andy Reid's going to be sort of the sympathetic figure here because he's, you know, been in the league so long. He's he's never won a Super Bowl. The Chiefs haven't won, um, you know, since the early days. And, and the 49ers are sort of, you know, they were always – in the you know they were the Patriots essentially you know for the eighties and and nineties. Um, well, and Kyle Shanahan, you know, after getting a lot of uh, a lot of flack for the way that he managed the Super Bowl when he was the offensive coordinator with the Falcons, to to see him come back and potentially yep. win a Super Bowl would be pretty cool. I, I yeah. both head coaches have really interesting storylines mm-hmm. here. No, look, it's a really tough call 
for me because I I love the I love Mahomes. I just love watching them, and I'm kind of just been pulling for the Chiefs. But at the same time, like Heath is going to be insufferable if they win. So, <laughs> I yeah. don't think so. <laughs> no, no, he, he won. He won. Uh, I mean, look, the Royals won a few years ago, and he's not really like that. So let's go Chiefs. I'm all about it. All right, but. Also, really, I like the 49ers, too. I don't know why I've always liked the 49ers. But. All right, let's uh, few things to promote. Three episodes per week in the offseason. Keep that in mind. Next week's going to be a little crazy. I don't know. We're, we're all going to meet in Fort Lauderdale, so it's going to be uh, in Miami, too. Uh, going to be nuts, but we'll get you some good Super Bowl episodes. Uh, the First Cut Podcast. That's our golf podcast. The PGA Tour returns to CBS. For the 2020 Farmers Insurance Open, Tiger Woods making his 2020 season debut. We last saw him at the President's Cup where he led the U.S. team to victory. So the first cut on Tuesday, uh, Torrey Pines DFS and betting preview. But check out the first cut podcast. Multiple episodes per week. Really kicked in gear right now. And uh, great coverage if you like golf. And you can go to cbssports.com slash podcast or podcasts. Either one will get you there. cbssports.com slash podcasts for a full list. One player who impressed you over the weekend, one player who did not, Ben, who impressed you? Oh, I think Raheem Mostert was phenomenal running the ball. Eh, he's all right. <laughs> I don't think there's really a lot that needs to be said there. I mean, uh, how many 10 and 20-yard carries did he have? He ran for 220 yards and four touchdowns, I think. I mean, that's got to be one of the all-time fantasy performances in a in a championship game. Didn't uh, he have uh, 100 yards before contact in the first half? That after contact, before contact, I, I saw before he, contact. Well, probably both. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I saw that he was aver- he averaged something like six yards per carry after contact. Yeah, as well. I, th- I, I mean, you looked at it. You know, he had like the thirty yard run where he wasn't touched. Mm-hmm. Thirty yard touchdown run was the thirty whatever plus yards where he wasn't touched. But his yards before contact were, were I think high. it was a hundred yards at the half. They just weren't putting a hand on him. Mm-hmm. It was just ridiculous. No, the offensive yeah. line was fantastic. I was on a radio show yesterday. They were asking me, you know, about the offensive line and how great they were, and you know, I, I wonder if, if the 49ers win the Super Bowl, if we see teams start to go back to a fullback because of how good Juszczyk is. Well, the whole scheme, right? The way they, they, they drag guards across. I mean, I, I'm not a, like a run game guru, but Shanahan's scheme, you always see offensive linemen coming across formation and getting angles on blocks. There's always movement, whether it's the fullback or whoever, and they – it, it, it's so well designed, and, and and he's altered too. It used to be just you know totally zone zone blocking, and now he's changed things you know as well. And, trap and uh, yeah. yeah, it's 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 fun. You know, uh, again, you know, sort of referencing that, I think you'll see some teams try and mimic this in some capacity. Um, you know, just to try and see if it'll work. But you got to have the fullback like him. Mm-hmm. You got to have a, a blocking tight end like Kittle who can do obviously as much in the passing game. The receivers are committed to the run game and blocking downfield. You know, it's just, it's a it's a total team effort. All right, but let's let's spin it to fantasy though, because Raheem Mostert, you know, last week I think I asked you guys, well, I, I didn't do the show, but I put it in the notes. Does Tevin Coleman's big game make you not want to draft a 49ers running back in twenty twenty? And I think you said yes, Ben, I don't think you were on that show, but I think it was Ben Ben Schrager and Dave and Jamie, and I think the answer was yes. Um, Coleman obviously got hurt and that led to Mostert's big game and, and, you know, he was amazing, but he's been great. He's been great week after week. There's just nothing not to like about Raheem Mostert, except he's, I guess, a little trappy, but you know, are you, are you going to be back in on Raheem Mostert? You know, like what's, what's the fantasy spin on this after this performance of 220 yards and four touchdowns on 29 carries? For me, I mean, it's not looking at Mostert as much as it's, again, looking at Shanahan and the scheme. He's always been really good for fantasy, whoever his lead back is. And he does rotate sometimes. Uh, you know, you, you're hoping that you get, like, way back when, when he had Alfred Morris and rode him the whole year. You're hoping you're getting Kyle Shanahan starting running back for the whole season, but you might not. But I, I think the lesson is whoever's back with San Francisco next year, and they have a lot of backs, and we don't know what their depth chart's going to look like, Especially like with a late round pick, it makes a lot of sense to to invest in an offense like this that you know will be um, very good at running the ball. If you if you wind up with a Mostert late and he ends up becoming the lead back, that's you know that's a clear hit. You know, there's going to be two guys. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. to to what extent? Look, this this worked out well for Mostert because he got on a roll. Tevin Coleman got hurt, and it was easy to ride him the rest of the game. I go back to last week's game, like you said, Adam. Tevin Coleman led them with 22 carries. 
Mostert had 12 carries. It was his most carries since week 12. So while he was converting them into touchdowns and his yards per carry was good and he was doing a nice job in terms of his fantasy production, he wasn't exactly blowing the doors off in terms of his touches. And he's not going to do a lot in the passing game, but I don't think you're going to see any of these guys be significant pass catchers. It's not like we're going to all of a sudden find, uh, you know, not a McCaffrey, but we're not going to find a Duke Johnson. We're not going to find a guy that's going to be three, four catches a game and can help you out in that regard. I think the thing you got to realize with this is who's going to be the second guy if Mostert's the first guy or if it's Mostert and Coleman. The, the, the frustrating thing will be is if they bring back Matt Breida, who's a restricted free agent, and they go with those three guys, and then maybe by miracle, Jarrett McKinnon's still on the team and he's healthy. That's the nightmare situation. The, the dream situation is Breida leaves or Coleman gets cut and it's most certain one of those guys. And then you just try and get the best value out of whoever you think is going to be better. At this point, you have to go with most. Okay. So we just did two drafts a couple of weeks ago in the non PPR draft. Mostert went 59th overall in the PPR draft. He went 80th overall. How do you feel about that? I think that makes sense right now. Right. But I mean, I think the other way, you can look at that as right after we did that, Tevin Coleman was the lead back in the first playoff game. And and maybe Tevin mm, Coleman no, was I, the back. I think this was before, was it? Oh, right. This draft was before right, that, right? Right. Yeah, and yeah. so the point is it can change, right? And maybe the argument is take the the cheaper option, right? But it is interesting that Brito only played two snaps in this game. You know, Tevin Coleman goes down and they just rode Mostert. And he was obviously really efficient, but wild to see that Brito didn't even mix in a little bit. And, and They did make reference on the broadcast to fumbling Mm -hmm. you know they said Mostert had an issue with fumbling early in his career and they said that's part of the reason why Matt Breida hasn't done much you know I I thought that stuck out because Breida didn't really strike me as somebody who's had a big fumble issue but I thought when they know you know whenever you hear stuff like that that's something coming from the coaches in in the pre-production meeting you know so I think that's something that you know whatever they're going to do this offseason if they if they win the Super Bowl you know Mostert's going to want to probably get you know some some raise if if he's a you know big reason why he's obviously a big reason why they got there um, you know, Coleman's on, you know, this is the second of the two year deal. And then Brito, you know, whatever he does as a restricted free agent, if they bring him back or they let him walk, you know, McKinnon's to me is the wild card. You know, if they're going to try and make this work again, um, and he's healthy, then it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be a frustrating situation. Jamie, who impressed you this weekend? I'll go to Devonte Adams. You know, I, I, I like to set up for him if they don't bring anybody else in, you know, he's just going to soak up targets and I know they're going to still be, a little bit more slated to the run if this is what their offense is going to be with LaFleur and, you know, Rodgers and the defense playing better. I think the defense will be better next year. Hopefully they fix the run defense. Um, but uh, Adams feels very much like DeAndre Hopkins without Will Fuller. Just going to get a ton of targets. Uh, we've seen since he's been healthy, you know, his his fantasy points per game have been fantastic. If they are trailing, you know he's going to get, you know, the opportunity to get a ton of work as well. So he's, you know, he was my number one receiver coming into the year. That didn't work out well. He's going to be my number two guy. Yeah, you know? but I mean, injured and really tough cornerback matchups early in the season yeah. this year. Yeah, him. but, so, you know, I, I mean, like when, when, I like when, when you're at his level, you got to win some of those. You sure. know, it doesn't necessarily have to be every week. But I think as we've seen this offense sort of evolve, it's going to be the backs are the lead part of this team, which is weird to say when you have Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. But he's going to be probably in the neighborhood of 10 targets on a weekly basis. And if you're getting that from Rodgers with what his skill set is and the touchdown potential, uh, I'll take my chances with that over Hopkins at this point, over Julio, um, over Stephon Diggs, which I know you probably don't like. But um, <laughs> oh no, Devontae <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, Adams I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But I think you know Adams feels to me like the safest number two receiver yeah, behind I mean, he's, Michael Thomas. He's done, he's done a lot like Michael Thomas. He's done what he showed us over multiple seasons now is when there's no other weapons there, he's still dominated targets. There got, will be. That's the problem. They have the worst receiver a- after him. I mean, it's awful. You just look at what they have, and like, do they even have a 700 yard? Or like, who is second on their team? Is it Jimmy Graham this year in receiving? I mean, it's Lazard, a. Lazard came on late, so you don't really know if, if he's. He, no, it, it's a joke. They absolutely will add someone because one of the questions I was going to ask is Is Devontae Adams the number two wide receiver in fantasy next year? And I know, because I knew, Jamie, that you were going that way. And look, I love Devontae Adams. Um, his 16 game pace this year was nearly identical to his 16-game pace last year. Just the only thing that was different was touchdowns. But 16-game pace last year and this year was 111, 118 catches, 111 catches. About 1,500 yards, about 13. You're taking, you're taking his, his healthy games? Yeah. Yes. If you, if you take just the games post-toe injury, so even throw out the Philadelphia game where he had the nine catches in the first half, his post-toe injury performance 
was better than his his numbers last year. Okay, but but he was healthy in the first four games. It wasn't like what I'm saying is like that he, happened. He came back. He came back a different guy. He came back and got more targets. His yep. first three games, he got single digit targets. He's had double digit targets in nine of his last ten games now. Devontae Adams, including the postseason. So yeah, he just got peppered, and like that's great. He's the man. Uh, but what's going to happen? I I'm going to have to completely adjust. One theory that I had was just like adding players to offenses to me just usually didn't matter. You know, my theory was like great players get their numbers. It doesn't matter. This past year poked a huge hole in that. I don't know if it was fluky or not, but I outlined it with Julio Jones with when he had receivers. What's that? Just receivers. Passing options, you know. Give us more examples. Julio Julio and, and Hopkins. I mean, just. Huge differences when Will Fuller played, and huge difference when Calvin Ridley played. Julio really made so much up in the last three weeks of the season when Calvin Ridley got hurt. And I give you one counter to that, though. Yeah, go ahead. The Saints they had a Jared Cook, and Thomas was better. They did, um, and they, I think there's another way of looking at guys like Devonte Adams, which is when there's no one else there, defenses can key on them. We we also use, we use as an excuse or an ex, uh, a reason to excuse away not getting targets when a, a number one is. In a tough spot, like look at AJ Brown after he broke out, he's had a really hard time getting targets. Um, that's a rookie, though. It's yeah, hard to I mean, that's not a great example, but it's the first one that popped in my head. But I think I'm the shocked fact that, that AJ Brown is the first thing <laughs> he's, he's always top of mind. <laughs> uh, the fact that Adams was so productive, even when they had no one else, who's going to come in and force Rodgers to not throw to Adams anymore when he was very productive mm-hmm. again? No, like he was it, efficient. It's not that. Is that is he number two or is he like number five? You know, like he's obviously elite. He's the man. Well, I, I think when you get to, you know, especially with the, we talked about this with the receiver breakdown, that it's it's a very saturated position right now. And, you know, the, the top is going to be, I think, where you sort of have to make sure you hit on a guy because there's going to be so many guys in that, uh, what do we say, around four to six range or was yeah. it three to five range? You know, there, there's so many guys that are going to be good and have the chance to sort of jump into that upper echelon, whether it's a second year guy like an A.J. Brown a third-year guy like a DJ Moore, or is it going to be the guys that are at the top that stay at the top? And I think you look at Adams, and you know if it, it, it's interesting for the Packers, like how do they retool their receiving core? You know, it's easy to let Jerron Miles and walk probably, but Valdez Scantling still on a rookie deal. You know, do they do they get rid of that? Kumaro's still young, um, and I guess he's still on you know an inexpensive contract. You know, so you have some young pieces there. Do they do they spend the capital to get a second guy, or is it you know hopefully maybe Sternberger? Takes the next step if Jimmy Graham leaves. Do they add a pass catching back? You know, I, I would imagine that they have to fix their receiving core in some capacity. But to what level? That's I think we have to see where Adams falls. For me right now, I'm going to still take the chances unless they get AJ Green. Um, you know, he's the number two guy for me behind Michael Thomas. Okay, fair enough. So let's go to a player that disappointed you uh, or did not impress you this weekend. Ben, who you got? Well, Derrick Henry. I mean, any chance I could get to, to talk about Henry. I mean, I, I think, look, if you're going to give Henry as much credit, and we did, and we, we needed to give him so much credit for how good and how efficient of a runner he was, if you're going to give him that much credit, you also have to recognize that what just happened in the AFC Championship game is not great. He for, scored! He scored, but he only rushed for 69 yards, and he didn't play in the fourth. Right? He, he caught one pass in the fourth quarter. He did not have a rush attempt. I, I looked that up. He like They were using Deion Lewis, and... The big reason he was so good late in the season was Tennessee was good as a team. And they stayed in games and they were able to run the ball. What they did, why were they good as a team? What they did, they were unsustainably good in the red zone. They had, I think, from when Tannehill took over until this this last week, uh, J.J. Zacharyson had a stat. 31 uh, red zone touchdowns, only one red zone field goal. Massively yeah. unsustainable touchdown rate, which is how you stay ahead of, of game scripts and how you keep Derrick Henry on the field. That's not going to happen again next year. It's just not. That's the type of thing that we know will come back down to earth a little bit. It was an amazing run, but that's going to affect Henry's ability to rack up these 30-carry games. And if he's only catching 18 passes like he did, I have a really hard time with him. Uh, you know, th- This is the, the reason that I have a really hard time with him as a first-rounder in PPR next year. I, I'm with you. Uh, and, and the workload for a big guy, that's the concern as well. Uh, you wonder what the Titans are going to do. You know, the the contract offer is going to be telling. You know, he's such a big part of this team. Clearly, he he was the the. You know, you could say as great as Hill played, they don't do what they're doing if Henry's not running at this level. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to your point, Adam, you know, most people would say, give me sixty nine and a touchdown. That's uh, funny to say, give me sixty nine rushing yards and a touchdown. <laughs> and touchdown there. 
Um, <laughs> touchdown there. Uh, <laughs> uh, give me those numbers. Analyst Keep of the year, on- ladies and gentlemen. Analyst of the year. This is how he does it. Uh, that's right. Um, give me those numbers in any format. And, you know, look, if you were to say, here's the five-game sample size, and this is the floor, right? he's a first-round pick. Uh, yeah, because he scored. I, he get to the ceiling every time, mm-hmm. and if he doesn't score, because he's not going to be involved in the passing game. So, you know, I I think Henry's going to be one of those guys that if he leaves Tennessee, for me, it's totally hands off because I hate guys that at this type of player that leave and go to a different circumstance. Um, but the workload, you know, he was dangerously close to 400 total touches. Um, Russia, you know, uh, for the for the season. Yeah, and you know, uh, we talk about this all the time: the curse of 370. Um, he didn't do it in the regular season, but when you the, the whole body of work for a big running back, that's trouble. Okay. And uh, just to remind everybody, his first eight games of the year, uh, Mariota was quarterback for almost all of those. Mariota w- was replaced in week seven. He was the number nine running back in non-PPR, number 12 in PPR. He was good, not great. He only averaged 3.9 yards per carry. But look, it's not surprising to see Henry get going late in the year. It's kind of what he does. Jamie, who uh, who did not impress you? I mean, it's you know the 49ers passing game, but that's <laughs> that's just fantasy wise. You know, they'll they'll be better than that. They're, there's really nothing. And you look at these four teams. You know, Rodgers didn't have a great game, but that was kind of to be expected. Um, you know what though? Uh, let me stop because I actually thought, even though I think he only scored 19 fantasy points, six point per passing touchdown leagues, he gave me a little bit of hope because like the throw he made to Devontae Adams, the deep ball on Richard Sherman, was perfect. The throw, the touchdown pass to Sternberger, he still showed that even against a great defense, he's capable of making throws that nobody else can make. Or pretty oh, much. Oh, sure, for but, sure. No. But that had been a criticism that I had had all years that he was missing a lot of throws. So it was nice to see that Aaron Rodgers, who by the way was he's been a top ten quarterback two years in a row. Uh, you know, it's not always pretty, but he has been. He was number seven this year. It, it was nice to see that he could go out there and make some pretty impressive plays. Sure. He also made some bad ones. I mean, you know, the first interception was a bad throw. The two-point conversion to Devontae Adams was a horrible throw. Um, you know, the overthrow to, for the interception to Richard Sherman, that's just, you know, trying to make a play at the end of the game. But mm-hmm. I, I think he's still capable of greatness. There, there's no doubt about it. You know, if, if this offense was Mike McCarthy's offense or if, it was a, you know, if he's in a Sean McVay offense or, you know, something that they're going to allow him to just open up and throw all over the place, Andy Reid's offense, you know, he would be – uh, still one of the, the best fantasy quarterbacks. It's just not the case anymore unless things change. And if you're the Packers, you went 13-3, and three, you made it to the NFC Championship game, you tweak, you don't change. You know, So I think you know from a fantasy standpoint, he's not the same guy. I don't know where you have him ranked. He's he's not a top 10 guy for me. He's barely in the top 12. 10. Yeah. yeah. I, I, this is what the decline would look like, right? I mean, he, he's still going to have flashes of greatness. He's always been that that talented, but there's... So many, so much inconsistency and so many missed throws that he's not that guy. Right. He's still one of the best throwers in the league. Yeah. He's still one of those guys that if you said, you know, take the Patriots, for example. The Patriots can have their pick of anybody to replace Tom Brady. He's in that conversation, without a doubt. Yeah. But is he going to win you a fantasy season? You know, this is where fantasy and reality change. You know, so another another added pass catcher, another piece on the offensive line, an improvement at the tight end position. Small tweaks can make Aaron Rodgers great again, but it's also coming down to what Matt LaFleur wants. And so copycat league, he just watched his team get run all over the place, and he's got a pretty good running back in Aaron Jones who led the NFL in touchdowns with 23, added two more to it. You know, why would you change it if you're Green Bay? And my disappointing player was George Kittle, who had, you know, Jamie alluded to it, the past passing game. One catch for 19 yards, one target. Jimmy Garoppolo threw eight passes. And, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo threw 19 passes last week and Graham had three or uh, Kittle had three catches for 16 yards. And it's just for me, I don't know who's doing it, but I, I, look, I think George Kittle is the best tight end in football, but I don't think he's the best tight end in fantasy. I don't see how you can take him over Kelsey. They were very, very similar on a per game basis this year in PPR. They were, they were pretty much tied. You look at their 16 game paces because Kittle only played 14 games. They both Kelsey played, 16 games. If Kittle had played 16 games, they would have had almost identical numbers. 97 catches, a little more than 1,200 yards, five touchdowns for Kelsey, six for for Kittle if he had played uh, 16 games, and Kelsey would have had 14 more targets. But I think the Chiefs will throw more touchdown passes next year. They only threw 30 
And I think the Niners might throw fewer. I don't know. They threw 28. So I like Kelsey's production. I like his potential for touchdowns better. And I just feel like there will almost never, ever, ever be a game where, where Patrick Mahomes throws 20 passes. And it might happen three times a season for Jimmy Garoppolo or something like that. So I don't see how you can take Kittle over Kelsey. That's all. You weren't worried about age for Kelsey? Not yet. He still looks amazing. Kittle is, uh, I think, four years younger. I, he I might be younger just, than that. Kelsey's 32. Uh, I think he's 30. No, he was. Is he already 32? Yeah, he's 31 or 32. And then Kittle is like still on his way up. He's like 26. Right? I love Kittle. I, I I think he's a better player, but I just you just like you get these types of games from San Francisco. You'll never ever get that from Kansas City. No, could happen uh, in week 16. No, maybe. you're right. You know, but at at what point does you know maybe Kelsey start to the slow decline? Well, it's not. I you don't have it right though. You like Kelsey better, right? Well, I, I do. I, I everything you said, I agree with. I think you know there's more passing opportunities for the Chiefs' offense clearly than the 49ers' offense. Um, but this is the point where Kelsey started to take off in his career, and this is you know hopefully right. the point for Kittle. All right, so we'll uh, we'll come back to those those teams. The uh, you no, know, I, I haven't looked at every position um, between these two teams. This is the 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 best, the two tight ends by far in the Super Bowl. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. That is a, that is a good note. And you know what else they have in common? I know nobody cares about this. They both have great kickers, and kickers really stunk this year. So good for them. Go kickers. Tight ends. <laughs> yeah. Kickers are more important than tight ends. How they're long snappers. <laughs> they do. They have great kickers. What can I tell you? Uh, all right. So injuries, news, and notes, and then we'll tell you win percentage by draft spot. Read some emails. How to, DFS was so weird. So obviously, I entered the uh, the Sunday Million on FanDuel. First place got two hundred and fifty thousand. By the way, um, uh, an account called Eisenberg Extinguisher finished ninth and won thirteen hundred dollars. Is that you, James? Is that an alias? <laughs> Eisenberg Extinguisher, big game. So I had Mahomes and I had Damian Williams and I had Tyreek Hill, and like I didn't check, but I was like, this is a pretty good start. And then I had Raheem Mostert. He scores his first touchdown. He scores his second touchdown. I said to my wife, I'm like, if he scores another touchdown here, like I'm going to have to check FanDuel and start getting excited. I think I might win. I'm going to win $250,000. So he scores another and he scores another. I won $9. That's funny. I had a similar thing and I I won $12. I made a stupid decision. Um, I'm forgetting his name right now. Who's the Titans receiver that scored the long touchdown two weeks ago? Khalif uh, Raymond. Khalif Raymond. I couldn't yeah. think of his last name. I swapped out Ferkser for Khalif Raymond. Uh, I had, I had Ferkser in a different lineup. That was my favorite call. I was like, yeah. Well, on, uh, on the show, I did a, a, a lineup, and most of my lineups are built similarly to what you just said, Adam, but I did a lineup that was uh, the Chiefs passing game, and it was I had Mahomes and Hill in every lineup I did, yep. and, I, and I did pretty well with that. But I had um, both Niners running backs, Mostert and Coleman. And the way that game played out, and you just were talking about how many yards they had before contact, Coleman doesn't get hurt. That might have been unique enough to win some money because that's kind of, the, to Adam's point, kind if of the problem. Yep. You got to have something that's a little bit unique when there's only two games. But if if Coleman takes half that rushing and they both have 100 yards and two touchdowns and you have both those guys in your lineup, that might have yep. done it. Absolutely. Right. And, and like I, I just was watching as Mostert kept racking up points and I just wasn't moving up. Too many people had him. But yeah. I, I think that's a problem where there's only, you know, yeah. four, four teams in two games. I think we laid it out pretty well, though, that Damian Williams and Raheem Mostert was the, was a really good combo. Let me see what the uh, their two teams won. They split 175. Mostert was the easiest play of the week because yeah. he was priced less than Coleman. And it yeah. wasn't, you know, the one game was was clearly fantastic for Coleman. But you had to and, and Mostert left the game two weeks ago with a calf cramp uh, that he didn't play in the fourth quarter. So it may have been 18 carries to 16, you know, as opposed to 22 to 12. The one that pissed, pissed me off, and I see one of the winners on FanDuel had him. Let's see if the other one did. Uh, yep, was Aaron Jones. I, I just, it didn't make sense to go with him. He only had 12 carries and one catch, and he scored. Oh, no, he had five catches. Oh, how about that? Uh, well, that's that's big. But he had, he, that, see, I wouldn't have, I would not have expected that. Five catches for Aaron right. Jones. You just didn't see that when Devontae Adams was healthy. It's in two-game slates. I mean, that, there's there's only so many options, like we said. Almost every option is going to be covered, and something weird's going to win it. You know, Something that yeah. doesn't even correlate or make sense. Because probably the 49ers defense and Aaron Jones were both in that lineup, right? And why why would you ever yeah. put those two? Right, right. And Sammy Watkins. That was, As soon as Sammy Watkins had that catch, I was like, well, 
it's going to be hard to beat the Sammy Watkins teams. The best, the best of Sammy Watkins who didn't score since week one, first yeah. touchdown since week one, is pointing at the cornerback. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, thanks for falling down, dude. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, DFS was fun. Not my favorite two uh, two game slate, but um, I hope we gave. Some, I think we gave some pretty good advice. All right, news and notes: the Giants hired Jason Garrett as their offensive coordinator. How do you feel about that, buddy? I I just I think I want a new team. Can I get a new team? <laughs> <laughs> like uh, okay, he called plays for six seasons. I think I want a new team <laughs> with the Cowboys. Beginning in 2007, ending in 2012. Now, he took over a team in 2006. They were fourth in scoring. And in his first year as as a play caller, they were second in scoring. That was great. Then in 2008, they were 18th. Tony Romo missed three games. Then they were 14th. Then they were 7th. Then they were 15th. And then they were 15th. So in four of six years, they were 15th to 18th, 14th to 18th in scoring. It's amazing that Jason Garrett was mediocre. And then he gave up play calling. And in 2013 and 14, they went from being 15th the two previous years in scoring to fifth each of the next two years. So that they, was when they got Zeke and Dak, right? No, 2013 and 14. That was way before that. And then 2015, they were 31st. Tony Romo missed 12 games. 2016, they come back. They're fifth again. So obviously, a better play caller led to more points. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I guess you could say he's done good work with quarterbacks. Romo and Prescott under his tutelage i don't know how much he had to do with it but he's got like he's got a good track record he was well thought of but i just i don't get it it just seems oh they're so you happier with bill callahan those are the two candidates if he had been the offensive line coach i would have been happy <laughs> <laughs> i don't know whatever they suck so uh he's the he's the kellen moore's the play caller for the cowboys jason garrett for the giants there's buzz about philip rivers going to the bucks according to jlc what do you think about that I don't love it. You know, I'd rather Jameis be there. But there's yeah. also a buzz about Brady going to the Bucks too. That'd be fun. No one. It would. I think I think Brady's got some left in the tank. I really do. He's not going to sustain it's, both Evans and Godwin. It's the same that we just talked about with Rodgers, just on a much worse level. Why wouldn't you know? he be able to sustain Evans and Godwin? Because the success of those guys is consistent plays down the field. Yeah. Jameis Winston averaged the most air yards per game of any quarterback in the NFL this year. Tom Brady, nowhere near that, well, and is going to be a guy who's going to do that. Look, he Tom Brady can adapt to different offenses. When he had Randy Moss, he threw the ball downfield. All he they was, wanted to do he, was run the ball. He was 15 years younger. I, I know, but he's. I don't think he's I, – I think he's still got some juice left. It was 2007. You were still in high school. <laughs> I was I could graduate college at that point, I think. Yeah, I did. Uh, I mean, obviously those guys would still be good. And and look, you know, so Jameis threw twenty interceptions, right? Thirty interceptions? Twenty. Thirty. Yeah, 30. 30. Yeah, 30. 30. He was 30-30. So, so you you cut that in half. And so there's more possessions. So cut maybe that in more. half? When's the last time Tom Brady threw fifteen interceptions? But if he's in this offense, he's throwing more. And he's taking more shots. That's Bruce Arians. He's too good. He will not throw 15 interceptions. You can't say that he's going to throw down field all of a sudden and not throw interceptions. He's the, he's the goat. He's he 44. Is, he is. He is the goat. He is the goat. But at at some point, you know, the goat oh, is Adam. Gotta, this is a great take. Brady's going to go to Tampa Bay, throw down field as much as Jameis, and not throw any interceptions. No, he, he's going to throw. He's going to throw. He'll throw 10. He's not going to throw 15. Well, then those guys are not going to be good. They'll be good. I just don't think they're going to be numbers two and three. I think Rivers would be better than Brady in that regard for those guys. He's got no arm. Again, they're they're when you get older, the arm goes. <laughs> yeah, no, but Rivers doesn't have a good arm. Brady still has a good arm. I, I look, know. I still like Tom Brady. I still think Tom Brady is a good quarterback. But He's I, a great, he is a great quarterback. Th- these are two separate. It's the same thing with Rodgers. He's a great quarterback. He will make a lot of great throws. But for what he would do for Evans and Godwin's fantasy numbers. That would be bad. Yeah, I'm with Jamie. I Rivers agree. would be better than than Brady. Oh. Rivers was still throwing the ball down the field this year. Brady and Rivers will take chances. You know. Yeah. Br- plus, you also have to factor in. Think about how Brady was behind the offensive line in New England with Skarnecchia. Now put him behind that Tampa offensive line when he's holding the ball for an additional second or two. That's not going to be pretty. So, I, I if if he had had Mike Williams and to a lesser degree Keenan Allen, I'm assuming he would have thrown the ball downfield more. Julian Edelman and James White were basically his best pass catchers. But 
let's move on. Uh, defensive line coach Anthony Weaver is going to be Houston's new defensive coordinator. Uh, ben, give me 15 minutes of fantasy analysis on Anthony Weaver's promotion. 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I can't give you 15 seconds. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Cleveland's going to hire Bill Callahan as their offensive line coach, and that's that's good. He's uh, he's a great offensive line coach. Tevin Coleman could play in the Super Bowl, and Tennessee defensive coordinator Dean Pease is retiring. And you know what? Actually, there was a note in a show that I I gave the notes to Dave. I wasn't able to host. I want to know if you guys care at all. But it was about Mike Malarkey retiring, and he was the Falcons' tight ends coach. And he's really a guy who has a great track record with tight ends. And I want to know if that matters to you at all with Austin Hooper, who was the number six tight end in fantasy for the second yeah. straight year. Um, Hooper's actually one of the guys I'm going to try and talk to at the Pro Bowl. Uh, he was named as the alternate for George Kittle. Um, I, I think uh, if he's back, look, he's he's clearly you know reached a level now where you should feel comfortable with him as a fantasy asset and, and performer. Um, but these are slight downgrades that you always sort of point to and say, maybe not the same. I mean, think about, uh, I'll just give you one recent example. Think about when Pat Shermer left the Vikings and Kyle Rudolph was starting to ascend to becoming a pretty consistent fantasy tight end, had that two, you know, two year run where he was, you know, putting up numbers the one year when Shermer got actually promoted to, um, office coordinator there. And his numbers have, you know, sort of plummeted since then, you know, those type of things, you know, matter to, to some players in some positions. Can you, and are you going to ask him wanna... a malarkey question? Sorry, Ben, you're going to ask him. About Mike. I am. Yeah. Okay, How much he misses? He's going to miss Mike Malarkey if he All stays right. in Atlanta. Good. I want to comment on the Dean Pease thing because I think he also was a big part of Tennessee's late season run. I think he called some great games defensively. Again, another I think bad sign for Derrick Henry. And I, I did look it up. 390 carries is what he finished with through the through the postseason. I mean, he he's going to turn out to be one of the worst first round picks of the last ten years. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's very much it's very much like DeMarco Murray when he had the 370 yeah. year um, you know the, these type of guys, I, I, I could see Derrick Henry having this type of season where he gets hurt early in the year just from the natural wear and tear of the year before mm-hmm. hamstring something you know hopefully it's not anything significant but some type of injury where he misses a few games gets himself healthy maybe has a, a finish like we saw two years ago but I'm really curious what the contract's going to be for him you know if he stays in Tennessee how much are they going to pay uh, if he leaves where he goes could be bad news. The optimism, the optimistic approach would be comparing him to Marshawn Lynch, who I believe, if I recall from our all-decade team conversation, was a top six running back three straight years. Yep, uh, four straight. Four straight finishes as RB four, five, or six. So that would be the optimistic approach. But let me, let me, okay, let's go to our Tennessee questions then. Because you know, Ben couldn't give any analysis on Houston's new defensive coordinator, but if he gets a chance to trash Derrick Henry, he'll give you analysis of the Titans' defensive coordinator. So, <laughs> since it's uh, good for AJ Brown though, too, he whispered that you didn't hear it. I didn't hear that. Since uh, since Derrick Henry and Aaron Jones were both eliminated, how about ranking these three players: Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, and of course, for in honor of me and Ben, Miles Sanders. How would you rank Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, Miles Sanders? I'll go Jones. Henry Sanders in non PPR, Jones Sanders, Henry in PPR. Yeah, Sanders ahead of Henry in PPR is a take that I like. And I, I think I already had that. I, I was trying to pull up my rankings from that we did right at the end of the regular season because I, I think I'd probably still be right there. I'm pretty sure I had Sanders at seven, Jones at eight, and Henry at nine. I mean, I think these guys should all be ranked pretty similar RB7, RB8, RB9. Um, I think they should all be ranked pretty similar in that second tier. But I, I think I would take Sanders as a guy who could grow in year two and has already shown a really good receiving role. Uh, I'm less optimistic about Jones and Henry's receiving ability. We did these rankings at the end of the regular season, and despite Henry's performance, he's falling for me because of the work. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I, I. so I had Miles Sanders first on that list when we did our top 10s in Week 17, and I still like him ahead of Derrick Henry in non-PPR. Uh, in, in, sorry, in PPR for sure. In non-PPR, it's close. I, I'd probably flip flop on that, but I guess I'd probably take Henry ahead of him. But um, assuming he's back with the Titans, Aaron Jones is more interesting though, because you wonder if d- does he earn a bigger share of the workload? You know, having sort of proven his studliness, because it was really frustrating with him and Jamal Williams. He just wasn't getting the kind of work that you need from an elite running back, and yet he finished as a top two running back. I think he was two in non. He was two in PPR and three in non PPR. So 
Yeah. So Jamie, you have Aaron Jones ahead of both of them, and and Ben, you know, it's really close for everybody. But I wonder, did the playoffs help Aaron Jones's case, and the, and the, the end of the regular season as well? I think it did. Yeah. You know, I, look, this is bad game script, and he gets you two touchdowns. He's going to be their their red zone guy. You know, and this is you know, um, it, it's it's a similar conversation to Derrick Henry, except the the workload's different. Uh, I think the offense is different. The quarterback is different. Um, you know, you, you got to hope that Matt LaFleur in year two gets better as a play caller, that the offensive line gets another addition or, or, or a tweak. That's that's a good scenario. You know, they uh, they were aggressive in free agency for the first time in what seems like forever, you know, probably since Reggie White. Uh, I don't know the entire history of the Packers with their free agents, but that's kind of been the conversation is under Ted Thompson, they didn't actually make a lot of moves aggressively, and they went out and they got the two pass rushers in, in Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. And so do they add to this offense and make it better, whether it's, again, another pass catcher or, you know, something to help the ground game. 23 touchdowns is clearly not sustainable, and that's including the playoffs. But can he be 15-plus touchdowns? Can he do a little bit more in the passing game? He's, like you said, Adam, he had five catches in the uh, in the NFC title game. You know, so if he's two to three catches per game, that's going to be a nice uh, addition to what he does. But I, I just like the offense and the scenario a little bit better for him right now than I feel about Derrick Henry I, not knowing where his uh, where he's going to play. In the regular season, Aaron Jones had 27 catches in 12 games with Devontae Adams and 22 catches in four games without Devontae Adams. All right, let's get to our next question here. Ryan Tannehill or Aaron Rodgers, 2020? Still Rodgers. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to just go ahead and say that I just don't buy the Titans at all. I'm very sorry to say that. I think they will miss the playoffs next year. I don't buy what Ryan Tannehill did. Um, I do love A.J. Brown. I think he's awesome. But it just seemed like a dream season and a great run. And they need to look. I don't buy them in their current state. They could go out, add some players, get a lot better, I guess. But we see that every year. I mean, we see that every year. Teams go on the, these hot runs. Uh, the Jaguars, the Bears, yep. you know, and then they take a step back. The Vikings a couple years ago after the Minneapolis miracle, and then they came back the next year and took a step back. Yeah, the Titans are a great call for for that team in 2020. It's a, it's such a. Uh, interesting division because you have you know the quarterback uncertainty with the Colts are they going to bring back Brissett the Jaguars you know are clearly in a rebuilding mode uh, despite keeping their coach uh, new offensive coordinator you know defense is a lot of turnover the Texans I know it's a promotion from within but new defensive coordinator we know that defense has clearly got to be retooled a little bit um, the Titans can still be a playoff caliber team because you know the one thing about them and they've shown this in the Mike Vrabel tenure is they take on the personality of their coach. They're tough. They're physical. They're not going to back down from, you know, any sort of opponent. And and you saw it, you know, the fact that they were up on the Chiefs in Arrowhead and, you know, for the most part until Mahomes became, you know, a, a, a superstar, they were in that game. And so um, I, I'm just so curious to see. Their, their offseason is going to be fascinating. You know, what do they do with Tannehill? What do they do with Henry? And how much money do they throw at both of those guys as their two best offensive players? No offense to A.J. Brown. He's not there yet. But, you know, they're, they're, they're two most important offensive players, at least right now. Okay, last question about uh, these two teams is when do you draft Aaron or A.J. Brown? We already talked about Aaron Rodgers. We talked about Devontae Adams. Enough about Aaron Jones. When do you draft A.J. Brown? Um, you know, Ben, I, I see everything that you see. I love the Terrell Owens comparison. Uh, but I'm going to give Jamie the first word. When do you draft A.J. Brown? For me, it'd be round four, round five. Um, you know, I, I, I'll i see the board. You know, if it's real heavy on receivers, it could be as early as round three, um, you know, depending on what happens this offseason. But, you know, we're going to uh, – I was going to say this before when you asked me about our rankings of the running backs. Our rankings are going to be um, – our first run of our full ranking will be on the site in the week after the Super Bowl, right after the Super Bowl is over. Um I don't know when if you started it yet, Ben. I know Heath said he's done his first run of projections. I haven't really gone through past our top tens, um, so that's going to be my my time at the Pro Bowl. So he's going to be somewhere around twenty um, for me, you know, fifteen to twenty in that range. And I think you know, round four is kind of the sweet spot where I'll start to look for. Him. Yeah, I like that too. I mean, I I, I think it was a fantasy mojo that has started doing some early drafts and posting some boards on Twitter, and I saw he went twelfth. In an early best ball draft. There's people out there that like AJ Brown more than 12th I do. overall. 12th overall. Yeah. Ahead of Devonta Adams, ahead of Tyreek Hill. That's too you can't like AJ Brown that much. I love AJ Brown. That's too much. That's that's getting over over uh, getting our head out in front of our, our court our cart out in front of our horses a little bit. I third, fourth round. I mean, probably fourth round. I, I had some decisions to make in our PPR and non-PPR 
drafts early. And, and there were guys in that range that I took over him. I took Diggs over him. I took Odell Beckham when he slipped a little bit over Brown. I wanted to take Brown in those drafts. And my first drafts for 2020, I'm so excited about him. But there's still there's a lot of good receivers that, right. that don't have that have longer track records. And um, yeah, mm-hmm. very optimistic about Brown long term. It's looking already like he's going to be overdrafted. And it's looking like some of these young receivers, these other guys that had great breakthrough years are going to be the ones that are going to be much better values. I, it, again, you know, let, let's play out the worst case scenario for Tennessee. Tannehill says, I'm not playing on the franchise tag. Don't tag me. I'm leaving. He's gone. Do they bring Mariota back on a short term deal? Do they go get somebody else? Because we know the free agent crop is interesting, but how many guys are clamoring to play in Tennessee? I don't think Brady or Rivers, maybe Rivers, but I don't think Brady is going to go there. And is that good for A.J. Brown? And then what if Henry leaves? Is that a a boost for Brown? Because now maybe the run game isn't as successful, but forced to throw more the red zone opportunities? I think it's a huge boost. Uh, Yeah, yeah, no, I I would would lean that way as well. But I'm just, you know, putting the scenarios there that, you know, there's so much that could change for him. You know, Tannehill was great for him. Is there a quarterback out there that could be better for him? Or as we saw, could it be Mariota? Could be worse. All right. Shocked, though, at this point, if, if Tannehill's not the starting quarterback for the Titans sure. in 2020. Mm-hmm. They will make the playoffs. Okay, win percentage by draft spot. Don't have to spend a ton of time on this, which is good because we're already 50 minutes into the show. Uh, so which spot in a 12-team league had the highest win percentage, the highest second-place finish, uh, was in the championship game the most? Uh, the third pick was the best. The, so basically picks two through five. Two, three, four, and five really stood out. The number one pick did not do well, and that makes sense. It was mostly Barkley. Only won four point six percent of leagues. The team, the team that had the number one pick in a twelve-team league, only won four point six percent. When you look at picks seven through twelve, it's very, very close. It's seven point two percent to eight percent for every slot there. Probably some Michael Thomas in there, but. Two, three, four, five. That was the money spot. And pick three overall was in the championship game. Twenty-three point seven percent of uh, how's the best way of saying this? Um, well, the highest percentage of championship game appearances and most wins. So, you know, what do you what do you do with that? Anything, or is it just kind of fun knowledge? I think it's just fun knowledge. I will say that over I've seen this over multiple seasons and and it it tracks this pretty well. I think uh, what I saw over multiple seasons was that number one pick does have an advantage, and that's why they started those third round reversal leagues mm-hmm. where the the draft the snake draft will flip after the first two rounds so that the guy who's picking one doesn't get twenty four and twenty five. Um, but yeah, it's very similar to this every year, and it's you know that yeah Christian McCaffrey was that good. That's why these numbers are what they are, right? I would imagine the 7 through 12 is probably some Thomas-Kelsey combos, which could have worked out really well. But there was a lot of misses in that range, Juju and David Johnson Mm -hmm. and a lot of guys that did not pan out. The best way of putting it is that 11.6% of champions championships were won by teams that had the third pick. 11.6% of championships were won by teams that had the third pick. 10.8%. I think just clarify, this is the data from our side only. Yes. Right. So if you want to compare that to, I don't have my computer here, but if you want to take a look at average draft position and see where those guys were. Uh, I can do that. Yeah. And 10.8% of championships were won by teams that picked fourth. 23% of teams that played in the championship game overall picked third. And 20% picked second. Certainly it's going to be McCaffrey. Yeah. Even like you could even see it. Three being as good as it is, and two and four are the next best, and that's McCaffrey was going two and four as well. Mm-hmm. You know, here's your ADP. Yep, Barkley one, Camara two, McCaffrey three. So who was going? Was What's that? Where was Thomas? Thirteenth. Yeah. So. So that didn't really factor in. Um, who was going? Tw- let's well, see. 20, almost identical, right? Twenty-two, but see, twenty-two was Mike Evans. So that's McCaffrey and Mike Evans. It's not bad. And then Keenan Allen in the third round, but you know, who knows? God, probably on some of those teams too. Godwin was 50th overall. So that's actually, that's the second overall pick on average. You know, the number two overall pick would get him. So yeah, so you could certainly have had McCaffrey and Evans and Godwin. Um, good spot to pick. 
All right, let's read some emails to finish it off. FantasyFootballCBSI.com. Hey, this is from Matt. Hey, legends. Last offseason, Ben talked about a range of running backs who had historically not lived up to their draft positions. Something like like rounds three to six, but I can't remember what the range was. Any ideas? I'd love to know how that played out the same this year or not. Yeah, I did look at that a little bit this morning because I saw that email. Um, it was rounds four to nine, and I looked at elite running back seasons only. So not guys like I, I had benchmarks for full season and points per game with uh, uh, for guys that played at least half the season but missed a few games and late season, you know, huge playoff runs. This year, what what I think the most notable thing is, most of the elite seasons came from the first three rounds again, which that's what the data showed. The first three rounds is where most of the elite seasons came from. Rounds four to nine, uh, there was actually less elite seasons than rounds 10 and later. We didn't have any of those 10 or later guys. We you didn't got, have... you have any names? Like... Year, like the elite seasons? Yeah, who, who had elite seasons? Who, who qualifies? So... Derek, the biggest thing here is Derek Henry is going to be on all these. He's going to be on when we talk about trap backs. We're going to, he's an outlier this season. And I, I, the biggest thing that I want to make sure we don't do is overreact to one data point. Derek Henry is different than other running backs. Like that, we just have to know that. It's the first guy with under 30 catches to be a, a top five back since 2012. But the other guys, McCaffrey, Aaron Jones was a third round pick. Zeke, Austin Eckler is a really interesting one because in July, when we were like doing the Scott Fish Bowl, uh, I remember I took him in the double-digit rounds. He was a double-digit round pick. When I wrote the uh, running back dead zone piece in the magazine, um, Chris asked me to name some later-round guys that are you know better alternatives after the dead zone, and Eckler was one of the guys in the magazine that I that I named. Of course, once Melvin Gordon held out, he moved up into that dead zone. He ended up being a star. The holdout was actually announced while the fishbowl just started, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. When he when he made his kind of declaration. I guess and, I want to know who. How many running backs this year had elite seasons by your measure? Yeah, there was a lot. So okay. McCaffrey, Aaron Jones, Zeke, Eckler, Henry, Cook. Now, all of those guys were first three rounders except Eckler and Henry. Those guys all hit the full season benchmark that I had used, which there was an average of 5.6 per season over the 10 prior years uh, in this sample, 56 total backs over 10 years. And this year there were nine, so a lot more than the normal sample. Six hit that benchmark. Three more hit the little late season playoff total point benchmark, which was Saquon for his great late season run. Even though he was hurt early, he ended up being a pretty huge fantasy player in, in the fantasy playoffs. Kenyon Drake, another dead zone back, but another interesting one because he would have been a failure in Miami, right? Yep. He what he did not work out in Miami. Uh, then he gets traded and, 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 and crushes. And then Miles Sanders, another dead zone back. So there were a few that were hits in that, that dead zone. But there are also a ton of failures. Sony Michelle and Marlon Mack, those are guys that weren't catching enough passes. Philip Lindsay. Um, Would Mack have got there if he didn't get hurt? I don't think so. Like, he, I, wasn't, he wasn't elite. He was very average because he didn't catch enough passes. Right? I, I'll but, tell you who went in rounds four and five in CBS ADP. David Montgomery, Mark Ingram, Marlon Mack, Derek Henry, Sony Michelle, Melvin Gordon, and Philip Lindsay. And even though like Ingram and Mack weren't elite, I don't think they were bad picks. Maybe in PPR, but Ingram's, I would count as a success. Yeah, I mean, he had 15 touchdowns or whatever. I mean, it, it, the touchdowns really helped him. That and Carson is another one. Chris Carson that was kind of going in that range, or maybe he was around three by the ADP you're looking at. But I think he was a success as well. He was but round three. They yeah. weren't they weren't elite guys, but they were good. They weren't bad picks. So do you think? Do you think? Um, do you think it held up? I think it, I think mostly it did. We we like I said we didn't see any late round guy. We didn't see the Damian Williams or the Jalen Samuels or the um or the Justin Jackson guys from 2018 or uh you know earlier seasons. There's even uh, most of it, I guess probably most of it was probably the closest yeah. one and DeAndre Washington maybe. Mm -hmm. But like they didn't really crush. You know they they were CJ Anderson like yeah, yeah. like CJ Anderson yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So okay. I mean I think it it holds up uh especially in years when we get those late round guys. Uh, but those late round guys didn't really hit this year. I think the biggest thing, though, was another reminder of the top 10 overall running backs. The only guys that didn't go in the first three rounds were Henry and uh, Eckler. Jones and Jones. Which, well, Jones was a third round pick. And, and, yeah. and Eckler, to me, is a, actually an example of the kind of late round guy. Because if you did an early enough draft, you were taking him in double digit rounds. Yep. And he's an example of that backup that catches passes that if he gets the opportunity to be a lead back, can be a star mm -hmm. in a good offense. All right, from Jacob. That's good stuff. Uh, I thought something if you're Tampa Bay. You'd trade Jameis to get Rivers and Gordon. 
I guess. No, why would you do that? You have to pay a running back and get an older quarterback that you don't like? Um, I'm just saying as players, forget about numbers. Oh, okay. If we're going to forget about the contract, then yeah, I'd want to get Melvin Gordon, but I wouldn't want to have to pay him. A couple more emails here from Jacob. Hey, John, Derek, Warren, and Simeon. That's it. Was it Bucks? Bucks yep. Lynch, Brooks, Warren Sapp. And Rice. Simeon Rice. Simeon Rice. All right, need help with my non-PPR 10-team, two-quarterback league. I can keep one from the first five rounds, one from rounds 6 through 10, and one from rounds 11 and 15. I'm keeping Lamar Jackson in the sixth round. Should I pick someone from rounds 1 through 5, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Aaron Jones, Keenan Allen, or Kyler Murray? Um, oh, no, wait. I, okay, he pick one of those five, I guess. So he's keeping Lamar Jackson. It's a two-quarterback PPR, non-PPR league. Would you keep Hopkins, Julio, Aaron Jones, Keenan Allen, or Kyler Murray? How many teams? Uh, Ten. I'd keep Hopkins. Yeah, I would too. Mm. You, not Kyler? Oh, it's non-PPR. It's non-PPR. The only thing about keeping Kyler in a ten-team league is you, you could still get somebody pretty good. Yeah. Oh, it's a two QB league too. Jesus. Two QBs. You're gonna have Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, or Lamar Jackson. And so if he if he keeps Kyler, it's a fifth round pick. I don't know how it works exactly. I don't know if you lose the round of the pick. Yeah. Well, you did. He said Lamar Jackson in the sixth. He said he drafted Lamar Jackson in the sixth, so he's keeping him. He didn't say he's keeping him for a sixth round pick. I would assume that's probably what it is. So what was the order? It was Hopkins, Julio. Aaron Hopkins, Jones, yeah. somebody else, and then Keenan Allen, and then Keenan. Kyler Murray. So Murray's probably the fifth round pick. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You keep Murray, okay. keep Murray and, and Lamar, and that's that's a nice five six turn for two QB league. Uh, Randy in York, Pennsylvania, dear black, brown, polar, and giant panda. Those are elephants. <laughs> Ted team league, three rounds of drafting. What do you think of this format? This format. 10-team league, you draft three rounds, you start a normal lineup, but each manager would draft an entire NFL team each round. The manager can only fill their roster spots from players from those three teams that they've drafted. Who would the top teams be? Chiefs would be one. Chiefs, for sure. I think, yeah. Cowboys, if they're ready. Yeah, so Cowboys would be a good one. I would think of offenses that are more concentrated. So even though the Rams had a down year, they... So much of their production goes through the guys that they're using. Even even as they change things, you know, Tyler Higby became a star. Like, yep. Like yep. They, they're always concentrating their production. So I would like them as well. I'd this probably still put the Packers in just because of the two guys of Jones and Adams. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Rodgers, Jones, and Adams. That's I, I know Rodgers is an elite necessarily, but I, that would be a great one. They're a top five pick. I, I think. think since uh, you know Stephon Diggs is a top ten receiver, you got to go the Vikings. Yeah. <laughs> no, the Vikings are a good. One, no, the Vikings are. Pres- Cook, yeah. You got well, you got your two. It's not just one receiver. Obviously, you got your two receivers there. You got a just, reputable tight end, I guess. I think Chargers, this is fun. Yeah, Bucks would be a good one. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of the Browns. Browns wouldn't be bad at yeah. all. I think any team that has two viable running backs would be huge because you might have a big advantage. Like, I'd say two stars. Like, if you have the chance to get two stars, that's the type of thing you want to do. Two stars overall, or two star running. Yeah, backs. I mean, like even the 49ers where you know you probably don't think is like a great superstar offense you're getting Kittle Debo and one of their backs or two of their backs should be good the Niners would be a good pick in that format because you wouldn't have to pick which back right, right. <laughs> you'd, you'd, you'd get go through the season and play whoever's going to be the, the, the rebound team would probably be the Steelers mm. yeah the Bucks. did we say the Bucks yet yeah I mentioned them yeah. they're, they're a good one for sure mm-hmm. we didn't say the Ravens yet dude you know what kind of like the Giants you got Daniel Jones he's all he's amazing you got Barkley, and then you got like three receivers and a tight end. Yeah, you also have Jason bad. Garrett as your offensive you coordinator. Jason Garrett, that's great. It's I kind of like Washington. <laughs> well, no, um, that's it. Uh, you know what? I love team? Cleveland. I love Cleveland. Is Washington the worst offensive team from he, a skill position standpoint? I would take Miami over Washington. He did ask in this format, 10 teams, three rounds. Back. I think he might be back. Oh, sorry. He did ask, what were the two teams... Be, that would be left on. Who would the two teams left on waivers be? Oh, Washington waivers. for sure. Although Washington's got a lot of good young players, guys could take a step forward. McClellan. But you just don't know if he's healthy. Right. That's the thing. He's probably on that on that list. Miami has to be. They have no running game. 
Yeah, I think the Giants are in contention. The Shut Jets up. Are the the Giants? Giants? Are you crazy? They got Saquon Barkley, bro. Giants aren't. They're not really. The Jets are, though. The Jets the are. The Bears? I mean, they split stuff up so much. Oh, that the, that's a good one with the Bears, yeah. They got terrible Bear, yeah. tight ends, bad quarterback. Randy, thank you. Allen Robinson there. Good question from Randy. Although, see again, if you were able to start David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen, might not be that bad compared to... Well, let's do a quick draft. Three uh, rounds. Let's do it to start next show, because I got the run. No, I want to do it. I'm not here next show. Thanks to Jamie. <laughs> thanks to Ben. Your um, first draft pick. I'll take the Chiefs. You'll take the Chiefs? Adam, we got? Got the Bucks. Bucks? Wow, two. Um, I will take... I'll go back to the Rams well. All right, the league is over. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.